Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. We'll start with reading the scripture, Genesis 9, Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 to 17. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of our Lord. We don't hear a lot of preaching from the Old Testament much these days. But we need to remember that it is part of God's word. And it's important for us to read it and to understand what's going on and what the context of what's happening in the lives, in particular, of the Israelites. And there's a lot of imagery. uh, There's a lot of different types of Christ that are depicted throughout the Old Testament. And sometimes I think that seems to scare us off because, ooh, I don't understand that. You, you read that and I didn't, I didn't see that. And so sometimes I think that kind of scares some people away from the Old Testament. But we need to remember that the Old Testament prophets pointed to Jesus. And they preached a message of repentance, of turning from your sins, as did John the Baptist as did Jesus and the disciples. And it's the same for us today. We need to remember that same message of repentance, to turn from our sins. Our scripture picks up with Noah right after the flood. And of course, we all know how the Bible starts. Most people have uh, uh, that verse uh, kind of memorized. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then man comes along told not to do one thing they do it they eat the fruit and it goes down the hill from there sin is in the world and man becomes evil and corrupt but there's this one guy Noah he was a righteous man not by his works not by anything that he did but because he believed in God as creator and Savior from his sin. He found grace in God, and he humbled himself before God. So God tells him to build an ark. Even though it probably had never rained before, 
Noah obeyed God and built the ark. And we know the story. The rains came down. The heavens broke loose. For 40 days and 40 nights, there was just rain and water everywhere. Eventually, the water subsides, sends a raven out. The raven doesn't come back. Sends a dove out, dove comes back, and finally sends a dove out, and it doesn't come back. Noah knew that it was time to depart from the ark. So Noah exits the ark, takes a look around, and sees nothing but devastation and destruction to the earth. But what does Noah do? The first thing that Noah does when he gets off the ark is he builds an altar to God. And many of us today, maybe you've seen in the movies or something that you know, people are released uh, from prison or, or they get off an airplane uh, that was a pretty uh, rough ride. And they maybe say, oh, thank you for getting me back down on the ground. They kiss the ground or something like that. They're so glad. But Noah, he gets off the ark and he builds an altar to worship God and offer his sacrifices. Picking up there in chapter 9, uh, the beginning, which we didn't read, we see God instructing Noah. God is telling Noah to be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth with people. Roll over the earth. Eat meat, uh, but not the blood, uh, simply meaning you can eat animals as food, but don't eat them alive. Eat them uh, you know, properly, uh, properly and humanely killed, let's say and also to establish capital punishment for the taking of another man's life. And we hear disagreement about that today. Oh, God would never want uh, capital punishment to be a part of human role. Right here we read it in Genesis. Now, as we go into the scripture that I I read earlier in verses 8 through 17, God is again speaking to Noah. And he's telling Noah what he's going to do. He's telling, Noah, he's telling Noah what God is going to do. And God establishes his covenant with Noah. God gives him the sign, tells him what the sign of that covenant is, and then summarizes that covenant once again. It's kind of like three mini-conversations with Noah. So what is this covenant? Well, God promised Noah that he will never destroy the earth by water or by flood again. See, and as I kind of alluded to earlier, before the flood, from what I understand, there there wasn't any rain. The earth had some type of of, of vapor barrier or vapor canopy or, or something. I don't know all the details. I don't quite understand it. Some people, I've even read that it's it was some type of layer of ice. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is what scripture says. And in Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us, And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. So there's water here. Here's the expanse. There's water here. How you explain it, I don't know. But the Bible says it. I believe it. At any rate, there was this barrier in the sky. And it somehow it probably made the earth some type of tropical climate 
and it somehow minimized the, the harmful effects that we see of the sun, the UV rays today. And this is partially why people live so long. This is partially why animals probably lived so long and grew so large, as, as uh, reptiles uh, typically grow all of their life. So they live a long life, they grow rather large. But there was no need for rain because the hydrological cycle worked differently than how it works today. But after the flood, things change. After the flood, it rained for the first time. The people of Earth saw rain. Noah saw rain for the first time. And it was this massive, destructive force. So no doubt if someone, uh, you know, some reporter was on the ground asking Noah, and as soon as he got off the ark, hey, Noah, what do, you, what do you think about all that rain? No doubt he would have flipped out. He was, rain? What do you mean rain? Where? Where? Everybody, back on the boat. I think I felt a drop come down. No doubt Noah did not like rain. He saw death that came from the rain. He saw the destruction that came from the rain and the devastation from the rain. So no doubt Noah thought rain was bad. I don't want to see rain again. But as we know, rain is vital to our life today. So God makes a covenant with Noah telling him that he will not destroy the world again by rain. There's no need to fear it. That's not how the world will be destroyed. So God makes this covenant. Now we know a covenant, a covenant is a, an agreement between two parties usually. Uh, the only covenant that we're really familiar with today is, uh, is the marriage covenant. Uh, but if you, if you look at covenant as just a, an agreement, uh, you know, we could say something like uh, the United States and Russia enter into a, a covenant, enter into an agreement. We won't point our missiles at Russia if Russia won't point their missiles at us. Each side gets something. God's covenant, however, was different. It's completely one-sided. God does not tell Noah, if you do this, then I'll do this. That's not what he says. God simply says, I will not destroy the earth by water again. This is a covenant for the blessing of man out of or from the mercy of God. It's for man's life from the grace of God. And it's an unconditional, unilateral covenant from God. No conditions placed upon it. You don't have to do anything. God simply says, I will not destroy the earth by flood again. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Who is this covenant with? Well, obviously, we know it was for Noah and his family. But it extends to all the generations from Noah. Remember that during the flood, everything was destroyed. Everybody was killed. Except for the things on the ark. That included Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. Eight people. Eight people were left. God's covenant certainly extended to all of them. But it includes us today. And not just us. This is, this is one of the fascinating, interesting things about this particular covenant. God did not limit it to just us. 
he also included all of the animals of the earth as well. What an awesome God. I mean, all the animals that were on the earth, they drowned too, except what was on the ark. And we kind of can look at that as if you wanted to be saved from the flood, there was only one way, getting on that ark. Today, there's only one way to be saved from eternal death as well. That's through Jesus Christ. But God's covenant was a universal, unilateral covenant, meaning everybody and every animal is included. God created this earth, and he's still an active part of it. And we see that here way back in Genesis. How do we know God's going to keep his covenant, though? Well, for us Christians, we know that he's a trustworthy and faithful God, without a doubt. But God says he will put his bow in the sky so that he will remember his covenant with with the world. And notice it says bow here. This is because God is viewed as a warrior. God is viewed as a warrior. Whenever you ask people, or ask children especially, about God. List some characteristics or name some some descriptions of God. What do they say? God is love. God is holy. God is righteousness. God God is just. God is a warrior? That doesn't sound right, does it? God is holy, yes. God is a warrior? But it's true. Exodus uh, chapter 15, verses 3. This is where uh, Moses and uh, the sons of Israel were we're singing a praise uh, to, to God. It says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God is a warrior. We forget that sometimes. We just want to see the God of love. But we need to remember that he's a God of wrath. He's a warrior. And a bow is a weapon, as we know. It's a, uh, it's a bow and arrow. It, it is a weapon. And the people of biblical times would no doubt see this bow in the sky and they would be at peace knowing that they would not drown in a flood which happened to their ancestors because God hung up his weapon in the sky. That's his bow. The curve of the, the rainbow is similar to the curve of a bow. Today we call it a rainbow and we know that the scientists, the a uh, scientific explanation behind it is simply uh, light being refracted through moisture in the atmosphere. Simple scientific explanation today. But we know that God is in control of this world. We know that. He played an active part in this world. When people look at a rainbow today, they think of different things. They don't think of necessarily God as a warrior, as uh, Noah's uh, family no doubt would have. Some people might look at the rainbow and, and, and say, oh, wow, look at all the pretty colors. Isn't that so nice? What a wonderful piece of mother nature that is. Or maybe they want to, you know, little kids want to run and, and find a little leprechaun at the end of it and a big pot of gold. I mean, that was always something that kids wanted to do. Or maybe some people think of the homosexuals and how they use it as a symbol of their perversions today. But we as Christians, we really should be looking at it 
and saying, thanks be to God for his covenant with us. God says he gives us that sign to let us know that he remembers his covenant. It's not that God is going to forget. He's not going to forget about that. He's not going to let it rain for 39 days and say, oh, oh my, I forgot. No, he knows. But God puts that rainbow in the sky for us to look at. For us to know that he remembers his covenant with us. It's a sign of his mercy. It's a sign of his grace. It's a sign of his peace and his love. So every time you look at that rainbow, you can see God's grace. Even though the world around you and all of humanity deserves God's wrath and God's judgment. Finally, I mentioned that God's covenant is an everlasting covenant. Meaning he will never destroy the world by flood again. Sure, it's going to rain. As I mentioned, that's, you know, rain and water is vital to our life. It's going to rain in places and it's going to flood in places, as we've seen. Places are going to be destroyed by water and by storms. But he's not going to destroy the entire world by flood again. Yeah, he's going to destroy the world. No doubt about that. But not by flood or by water. How's the earth going to, to be destroyed? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 11 talks about the day of the Lord. There we read, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Revelation chapter 20, verses 9, this is where the satanic rebellion is crushed. Verse 9 says, And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The world will be destroyed again, but not by flood. God made that covenant, and he'll keep that covenant with us to this day and for eternity. Sadly, as we know, after the flood, sin was not eradicated from this world. In fact, just a few verses later, we run into a, a sad situation. Noah planted a vineyard, grew some grapes, he got drunk, and he got naked, and probably passed out in his tent. Ham, as you remember, no doubt, that was Noah's son, saw this and had some type of sinful thought or sinful action. And we know from there the, the curse of the Canaanites from there. So sin was still there after the flood. Sin was not eradicated. And God is going to destroy this world once again. And the unrepentant sinners of this world who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life will be judged. We need to remember that. So what is all the point of this? Why go into this long explanation about a story that we all knew? Well, let's think about it. Which came first? The flood or the rainbow, the covenant? 
the flood, right? Why did God send the flood? Because of the evil sinfulness of the people of the world. God sent his holy wrath upon the earth for vengeance and for judgment of their sins. Why? Because of his perfect righteousness and his holiness. If you look at the Bible and you read through the entire Bible and you read the names and the descriptions of God, you will find that the only description of him that is emphasized three times in a row is what? Holy, holy, holy. You don't ever see anything that says God is righteous, righteous, righteous. God is good, good, good. You don't see that in the Bible. You see holy, holy, holy. God's holiness. And God's holiness demands judgment and his wrath. That's what makes him holy. The rainbow covenant reminds us of God's love. It reminds us of his mercy. It reminds us of his grace, his peace, and his patience. And there's, make no mistake about it, God is indeed a God of love. But he's also a God of wrath. His judgment will one day again be poured out on this earth by fire. Knowing this, shouldn't we be living holy and godly lives? So if you haven't been living the life that God wants you to live, take the time today to repent to change, change your life, and live your life to God's glory. The next time you see a rainbow, don't think of the pretty colors, don't think of the leprechaun, don't think of the pot of gold. gold. Think of God. Think of his covenant with you. Think of his love for you, but also think of his wrath. Let us close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend in your word here today. We thank you for your word and that it has been so well preserved over these many years. We thank you for your holiness and perfect dealings with us. We thank you for your covenant with us. Help us to see not only your love as we look at that rainbow, but also the righteous judgment that you deal to evil. We thank you most of all for sending your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to pay for our sins. And it is in his name that we give thanks and is due all honor and glory now and forever. Amen.